I can't believe it. This is a story 50 years in the making, and we get to tell it here on Tech Vibe Radio. I've been looking forward to this all year long. He has been really looking forward to this. It's just 100%. Are you looking forward to it? Well, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Depends what he's going to write. And that is the voice of Dr. Giorgio Coralupi, the founder and CEO of Compunetics. 50 years in business in 2018. I remember last year at this time, I was talking to some of your folks, Dr. C, and we called Dr. Coralupi Dr. C because that's how people often refer to you. And uh, I was like, next year is 50 years. We got to do something big. Like, it's a... Quite a feat to be 50 years in the technology business. As fast as it changes and to be here. So we're like, we're going to do a complete radio show. We've done magazine coverage. We want to celebrate you the entire year. So that's what we're doing here tonight. But the point is not Compunetics. The point is the whole movement which helped transform the city. That was important. There were other guys there. Other persons. There were other guys, which were mostly, they were guys, so you were correct, right? Yeah, mostly guys. They were mostly guys. But the story and the journey is one that we really want to unravel today. Yeah, we're going to do some serious deep dives. And so while... We were getting for lunch, for breakfast, 7.30 every morning at the PAA. Yep. Around the table, scratching our heads, what can we do to move this (laughs) Exactly. And And you actually were at... The onset of it. Uh, something happened. Something happened, something and it happened. was magical. Absolutely. And it was so. Let's go back. So the co- let's just give everyone what the company is today, and then we're going to go right. Yeah. And we also what the have company to is today. What it is today, exactly. so people can appreciate that. And we also have Mike Hockenberry here as well, too, who's going to be providing some commentary. He's been with uh, with Compunex for but just somehow, about thirty years, right? Just so, to correct. position correct. it. Yeah. Somewhere in this hour, somebody should mention that we have. About 600 employees. Just oh. 600? So, yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. So we are not just a bragging little thing. No, no, no. You guys. Oh, we understand We that. know. You're the real we deal. We understand no, we're, doing, we're not doing much bragging as by nature, I would say. So, it's okay. Absolutely. But sometimes we had to help people visualize exactly. what we're right. talking about. Of course. About. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. So let's just start with our listeners. Give them the backdrop about the company. What is CompuNet? What again? Backdrop of the company. Just tell us about the company. Basic overview. What is CompuNetics? It's a it's a strange organization <laughs> of people who have lots of goodwill, lots of intellectual curiosity. People who are mandated to be the best in the world in their business. If they're doing something and they don't do, who are not the best, let somebody else do it, some other company, some other organization. Pick the one thing where you can be the best in charge. And uh, that stimulates most people who develop a strong sense of authorship for what they do. Because in most cases, there is something for which there is no other solution in the country. We're organized in a certain number of groups, all of human dimensions. Uh, in a sense, we don't have many layers of supervision right, right. on top of the supervisors or right. the supervisors. Keep it pretty flat. 
so we have some groups where the team pursues the same goals, the manager has a sense of what's happening, and there is some integration between sales activity and production activity. And uh, we cover a fairly broad spectrum of activities from manufacturing printed circuit boards, right. from assembly capabilities, from design, hardware design, from software design, from system definition and analysis, and from interaction to the customer, trying to figure out with them what is the best solution for their problems. This continuous exposure to no problems is what is very stimulative for the company. Absolutely. In our history, we have touched several unique situations. I think we have been the first one in the country who have patented unique switching networks, conferencing networks, broadcast networks. Uh, Lots of firsts, which I think is High so reliability, fault-tolerant systems. Fault-tolerant systems, they, mm-hmm. they don't have just a backup, just in case exactly. something fails. Fault-tolerant system keeps working if Absolutely. something fails. For sure. And that makes a difference. So we, we left a mark in these areas, and uh, people in the company feel ownership and, and sense of uh, pride of authorship. Absolutely. So, Mike. Well, I yeah. was going to say what attracted me to CompuNetics back when I was a young engineer was the idea of this uh, high-tech company here in Pittsburgh, and I never would have thought that um, somebody in Pittsburgh was fabricating their own circuit boards, exactly. uh, right. designing. Uh, that, that really attracted me to the company. Very much so. I mean, you've been there for 30 years. I have. Obviously, they're doing something right, and you're being challenged every day and having a good time. A lot of good experiences. For sure. So now, so we're going to go back between the ages of the, the years of 1968 and 1985, and there were, there were quite a few milestones and some breakthrough achievements. So take us back to 1968. You had the first company home that was located somewhere yeah. somewhere on Salzburg Road on the back of a... We can just do a, a quick intro because we're, we're going to go to break in a couple in a couple seconds. To, we can start with that when we get back. Oh, do you because, want to? Yeah, yeah, because so that we'll, way I want to start up. Yeah, because we're, we're going to break in a couple minutes. Just to let everyone okay. know that tonight our show is all about Compunetics based in Monroeville, 1968, they were founded by Dr. Giorgio Coralupi, who will be joining us all evening tonight, talking about the ups, the downs, the all-arounds, and the overall trajectory of the Pittsburgh tech scene and how Compunetics was part of that. And so we're excited. We have Mike Hockenberry with us as well, too, which I am really thrilled to get your, to get your perspective being there for 30 years. Oh, too much fun. We've been waiting all year to do this. So we're taking a quick break. We're coming right back. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. And we're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council, of which Dr. C is a board member. I think he's been a board member since the beginning. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Very, a very, very, very right? long time. And when we get back, we're going to start. Almost the very beginning. Almost the almost very beginning. A few months. 
right. just a few months we're at into 35 it. years. 35 yeah. years he's been on the board. So we get back, we're going to kind of start with a story beginning in 1968 when they founded the company, kind of ride it out from there. So Well, we were three when we started. Exactly. I found I had a younger engineer and a devoted technician. I love it. And just, just the three of you got that started. So we're going to come, come right back with that story. Hang tight. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. So glad you can join us here for Tech Vibe Radio this Friday night. As you know, we are dedicating this entire show to the accomplishments of Compunetics. 50 years in business with Dr. Giorgio Coralupi, one of the foundational tech companies here in the Pittsburgh region, without a doubt. We have Mike Hockenberry with us, VP Actually, Mike, we have a, a cool story you got you got to tell us. And we were just talking about this, you know, just b- between the break here. And Audrey was like, "You got to tell this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's just set this up because I just it has to do with with the nine eleven, and uh, and how and a role that you guys played in that. So I'll I'll let you take it from there. How about that? <laughs> okay. So um, prior to nine eleven, um, Copianetics had won a contract with the FAA to uh, put a communication system in for their uh, brand new command center, which was being built in uh, Herndon, Virginia. Um, This was to help control the nation's air traffic, uh, the flow of air traffic. Uh, Prior to the existence of this entity within the FAA, planes would circle around airports. They would land based on who had the least amount of fuel. And um, so it was initially known as the Central Flow facility, but gotcha. um, it was the command center for the FAA. All the major towers tied into this location. And uh, on the evening before 9-11, uh, one of our program managers uh, was down at the site working through the evening. That's when the nation's air traffic is the slowest and they can relinquish parts of the system and allow us to do some work. And during the day, obviously, he would uh, get his rest. And on 9-11, um, his wife called him and said, do you see what's happening? Um, do they need you over at the command center? So uh, he contacts the command center, and they said, yes, please come in. Um, and that day, it was very difficult to get phone calls through just in general. But um, he managed to contact me and uh, said, is there anything we can do to help? He said, they're, they're really struggling. They don't have the capacity down here to deal with this. And uh, I had gotten in touch with Dr. C and uh, explained the situation. And Dr. C said, um, we will make course call capacity available. Tell them we'll clear the deck, whatever they need. And uh, so through the coordination of uh, our program manager at the command center, the folks at the command center, uh, we made connections from that command center up to our location, our course call location, uh, here in Pittsburgh. And for some period of time after that, during the ground stop, uh, course call hosted 500-party uh, uh, Q&A phone calls uh, as folks from around the world called in. Right, right, right. And, um, you became this hub of communication to make people be able to talk yes. during this critical time. Yes. It's amazing. And uh, a couple months after that, uh, we were hosting a meeting where um, a couple of the folks that were involved with that uh, from the FAA were at our location, and they had 
certain names of uh, course call operators that uh, they had remembered from that that day right. and uh, the days after, and they asked if they could go meet meet with them. They wanted to thank them for all the help that they had provided. So uh, yeah, See, that's just it's just what a I just I know what an blows impact. my mind impact what an impact. impact. Which, which, which I think our listeners need to know. So, Chorus Call is a is a is a spinoff or a company created as part of this family of companies that actually, you know, when it comes when it comes to telecommunications and teleconferencing, you guys are at the top of this game. So, Chorus Call utilizes the technology of right. uh, the <clears throat> systems that are designed and built by Compunetics, and uh, they they basically are a, uh, a multifaceted uh, conferencing service bureau, uh, web conferencing. Uh, event conferencing. Um, it, 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 I mean, it, you guys, your technology is used to host shareholder meetings. I'm talking like calls that cannot fail, right. conferences that cannot fail. You're the backbone for that. You make but it another, happen. <clears throat> yeah, tell another us, Another milestone was a system that we built for the Air Forces, which is the air defense system for the United States. We have five locations, one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, one in Florida, one in Alaska, and one in the Hawaii. And through that system, which is manned by the Air Forces, we monitor all the traffic over the continental United States. And uh, we are talking now with the Canadian Air Forces, who wants to expand the system to covering the Canadian airspace, so the whole continental North continent. Uh, mm-hmm. North, North American America. continent right. mm-hmm. will be covered in terms of monitoring the air traffic. That's a twenty-four-seven <sighs> operation out of those battle. Commands. Talk about responsibility. That's all I can say. That's a lot of lives on the line right there. As far as Corus Call, Mike mentioned Corus Call. In effect, we started offering services to the general public. Right. Even because. I'm convinced that you cannot sell a car if you can if you don't know how to drive a car. So basically, you had to practice the user experience. Right, that makes and so much did, sense. We started doing that by offering our services. Right now, Corus Call is a major component of the family of companies Corus Call Computers. We have several locations through, throughout the world. Vancouver, Sao Paulo, <coughs> Frankfurt, Lugano, Switzerland, Athens. Uh, we have amazing. We want to go to the Sao Paulo office. India, <laughs> Australia, Japan, and each one of these there are twelve centers. Each one is a medium to small center, not more than ten, fifteen people. Okay. And each one, as I was saying as human dimension, and uh, the largest one in terms of personnel is India, where we have this one center with more than 50 people, and uh, they are all connected through a network, so if there is an important phone call, which is comes here at 9 o'clock in the evening, claiming that it's very urgent, okay? Right. They need a conference nine o'clock of the mm-hmm. evening. We answer the phone call from Australia. We organize for Australia. Right. Then, when they are asleep, 
we answer for so them. So the sun never sets on computer. So everything using yeah. technology, computernetics, and uh, also the ability to adapt to strange foreign situations. When we opened an office in Johannesburg, somebody was telling me, you're crazy because uh, there is uh, disorder, there right, is yeah. a little bit of chaos a, kind of going on. Right. Thing. And I say, we're not afraid. And it's one of the most profitable centers really? we have. That's awesome. What a story. I mean, we started off with a, their first government contract back in 1968 to having systems that all this air traffic across the entire North American continent is using. I, I, that is why Pittsburgh is so pumped about the fact that you guys, so Jonathan, 50 years. Now, if say. we total them yeah. all up between all these different centers and the headquarters in Pittsburgh, we have about 600 employees. Amazing. It is amazing because you think about earlier when we kicked this off, you went to Sears to buy chairs, and you actually asked your attorney to sit in as a warm body. <laughs> I love it. I'm just saying. Yeah. A lot has changed. So there's a there's another little piece of history of the company that uh, relates with um, our relationship with IBM Watson Research. Center. Okay. And uh, back in the uh, day when... IBM wanted to demonstrate their their technology capabilities. They they had a chess machine that was known as Deep Blue. We know Deep Blue. And uh, every year they would uh, host a uh, competition with a chess master and test how well they could uh, compete. And uh, unbeknownst to a lot of folks, um, it was Compunetics that would design and build the circuit boards for the, the back up. See, that's did, what I'm talking about. We didn't know that. Yeah. How did we not know that? I don't know, but now I know I that. I like a little bragging, Dr. C. Yeah. When they were, <laughs> when they, they, there was a, a, a game played by Kasparov, and I was invited to be part of their team. Really? And really? then they had a big party, and one of my contacts came by me and said, do you realize that you are the only person in this room which is not an IBM employee? Wow. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's so great. So, so cool. We have more of these stories coming. Tonight. There's so many of There's them. So I mean, many. we're thinking we're doing a deep dive. I know. We're just we need, touching the icing. We need icing. two more hours. But when we get back, we're going to talk about the future of the company a little bit and a couple other key accomplishments that really makes Pittsburgh super pumped and super proud that CompuNetics, CompuNetics and Coruscant, because we have a manufacturer, we have a we have a, a telecommunications company, and we have a conference call company, all in one, making just great stuff happen here. And I just love putting a spotlight on it. I just think it's fantastic. So I'm encouraging everyone, keep your dial tuned right here. I've just got a ton of questions for Dr. C and Mr. Mike Hockenberry over there. And uh, hey, learn more about the Tech Council. In case you don't know, Dr. Corlupi was one of the founding guys of the Pittsburgh Technology Council, board member, for 35 years just saying a little bit of history going on there we love it learn more about us at pghtech.org since 1983 we've been able to tech company succeed um, this is jonathan kirsting and this is audrey Russo. welcome back everybody i'm so glad you are joining us for this tech vibe radio because it's not just tech vibe radio tonight it is a complete deep dive on all the great work 
CompuNetics over the past 50 years with its founder, Dr. Giorgio Corlupi, along with Mike Hockenberry, VP at CompuNetics. So glad you guys could spend the evening with us. We're just so proud of what you guys have done, and we're so glad to have you on air. So, Audrey, before we left, we said we're going to start at the beginning, right? Yeah, we're going to start in 1968, and we're going to talk about some milestones and some breakthrough achievements. 1968. So, the first company Crazy. home, the first place, I'm laughing, the first place was actually the back of a Dairy Queen in Penn Hills. Yes, in Salzburg Road. On Salzburg Road. I love it. That's so awesome. <laughs> and that's where we had the first visit by prospective customers. So, like, give them a we twisty cone? <laughs> we had submitted a proposal to the Navy for their anti-submarine anti repair right. system. And they called me that they liked the proposal, but the price was too low. And I said, well, that Too doesn't low. matter. That is not important. <laughs> As he gives a thumbs and up. They came yeah. to visit. And uh, if in any day I had a long examination, that was it. Okay. From the beginning of the day to the end of the day, they drilled me continuously. But I had proposed exactly what they wanted in competition with enormous, gigantic companies. They let me know they were coming. I said, well, would you like me to pick you up at the airport? Oh, no, we come with the Navy aircraft to the Allegheny. Wow, they actually fly their plane in. I love it. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, I had to run to Sears and Roebuck to buy folding chairs because I didn't have enough. Okay. Very cool. And then I asked, to, I asked my attorney, would you mind joining us? I said, but I'm not uh, aware. She said, I need some warm bodies to show. <laughs> and uh, so, so you have he, to. He came down. You'd look legitimate, right? <laughs> he came down. And uh, after that test, they gave me the contract. Wow. Because it was exactly what they, what they wanted. And the and one I'm... thing I noticed in our relationship with some, most of the government customers is that any contract is a risk. It's a risk for them because if we fail, sometimes some vital program is delayed by a few years. The whole process. Yeah, is that long. makes sense. And it's a risk for us because if the development costs are in excess of what we anticipate, then we are financially in trouble. So given this situation, the best thing is to establish some cooperation between us, the supplier, and them, the client. Because they want the product, we want to succeed, and that forces us to cooperation. So we don't spend our time picking each other's pockets. We try to get the thing done. Right, right, right. And uh, that has been a secret. And uh, you see, I remember the first review after the contract, uh, the head honcho took me aside and says, how are we doing with progress payments? I, I asked him, you know, I didn't know much English, so that was an excuse. Could you please repeat? And he said, how are we doing with progress payments? I said, I don't know what they are. <laughs> 
What are these programs, man? So they send me, within a week, I receive an amendment to the contract. It is in the best interest of the United States government to amend the contract to provide for equal monthly installment payments without the contract of making any request. Wow. Boom. Boom. There's your cash flow, so right? They kept us going for a while. But the problem is that they didn't even trust me with the ability to ask for money. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So after a while, they sent a fellow from DCAA, Defense Contract Administration Gotcha. Mm -hmm. They sent a fellow to teach us how to keep the book and keep yeah. track of the invoices, all those kind of things. And then they sent a guy from the Air Forces to teach us quality control. So in reality, there was a person which was irresponsible, which is myself, and, uh, and was lucky. But sort of the system supported our work, and we were successful. But many successful companies have but gotten... But really, we were somehow supported, not in capital, we were supported in know-how which we were lacking. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very helpful for us. Sure. And uh, that established also, made me understand the kind of relationship which has which is most productive in the relationship between customer and right. supplier. Without a doubt. So, so that's where you learned it. Yeah. yeah that's I'm where all sure. of a sudden the I light bulb went off. I learned it on the reality of developing this right. This thing. Right. So, Mike, when you and hear this that... thing was installed, was successful, was installed at Moffett Field in Jacksonville, right. in Guam, Wow. In Sigonella, Italy. That's so crazy. And Reykjavik in Iceland. Reykjavik. Wow. Around the world. Everywhere. So, Mike, when you hear these types of stories. So, that was the work of a few oh. desperados. <laughs> no. And I have that written on my wall. <laughs> but it was the work of people who were committed, no matter what, to honor their commitment. Make it happen. You see, because there was the appreciation or the urgency for the client right. of what we were doing. For sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear these these early stories, and for you, Mike, it's got to be like, wow, like compared to how you're this huge company now, and that's what got this company started. That little kernel is what got this company moving forward. The the history with the government uh, has, has been fantastic for for the federal systems division because— uh, That's you, man. That's your, <coughs> that's your division. The structure yeah. of the company— is still that way today exactly. in terms of the cost accounting system and things like that. And uh, it makes our engagements with the cus the government much, much easier Absolutely. to have the origins of being a government contractor uh, back in the day. So you, you had all these, these um, opportunities, but what I, I didn't, under didn't know, there's so much that I didn't know that I wanted to shout out. You developed the world's first full-screen word processor. Yeah, at that time, <laughs> yeah. the word processor <laughs> was a screen right. with one line. And you were typing that line. You could edit, make sure there is mm -hmm. no right. typos, something like that. When you're happy with the line, you hit the button and print that line as if it was an advanced like Like a typewriter. typewriter. Right, right. At that time, we got a request from this company, which I knew because I had been working at Olivetti in Italy, 
And uh, we convinced them that we could do not the line, but we can we make the whole page. And uh, so they gave us a contract. They gave the contract, and that became the first and, uh, world word processing program. I mean, I mean that's such an amazing the, fact. We, they called it TCV450. That was okay. the product which they threw onto the market. And there were very good requests. The only problem is that uh, they were themselves in the middle of a financial crisis, which Absolutely. reflected on us. For sure. So after a while, we transferred this product gotcha. to a, a company near Olivetti. Love it. So we're coming. Uh, yeah. But was a very, again, was a cha- was a challenge. Plus, you know, you could. You could you could scroll the image. You could do a certain number of things that now everybody they, they take it for granted. granted. Exactly. Takes so for granted. we are coming back, Doctor C. We're going to have more of these breakthroughs. We're going to talk about. We're, we're taking a quick break first. We have Mike Hockenberry with us as well too. Can't wait to learn more about these. I mean, first word processor. How cool! Awesome. That's amazing. I had no clue. Love it. So we are. If anyone wants to know who we're talking to, it's the founder uh-huh. of Compunetics, Absolutely. Doctor Giorgio Coralupi. And we're going to be right back. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio tonight, and we are talking to Compunetics, to Dr. Giorgio Coralupi, founder of Compunetics. 50 years ago, this company was founded to become one of Pittsburgh's top tech companies. Here with Mike Hockenberry as well. Been there for 30 years as an engineer, VP now, leading up so many things there. And we just had way too much fun tonight, Audrey talking about this. What do you think, Adi? Well, I think what's incredible is if we go back to 50 years and we heard about being, you know, having a little place inside of a, a Dairy Queen, having not enough chairs for people to sit on when you're entertaining your first potential customers, asking your attorney to make sure that there's a warm body in the room so that it looks like you really, you know, have <laughs> something substantial. And then you sort of morph into, you know, not really having enough money, but someone says there must be something good inside of this. So you're a half a million dollars, you know, negative cash flow, which would make most people have an ulcer, if not stop their company. And yet now we fast forward to 50 years and there's, you know, a significant embedding of the culture in terms of what is that culture. But then there's also these stories that continue to sort of, serve as the underpinning of the work that you do. And I think if we get into, we talk about being an artist, we talk about that, you know, help the customer get promoted. I've heard you say that over the years, and, it, and it's something that sort of sticks with me, help other people get successful. But you've, you've had this artist approach, and I'd like you to talk about it, because I think that's a whole paradigm that most, I've not heard it from any other company in terms of how they think about the work that they do. Well, if I was a painter, I would produce some paintings. And I had to make a living, so I sell them. But after I sell them, I sell them only to the people who know how to take care of them. Because uh, I, don't give them away, I don't give them away for free. And... Uh, they had to be positioned and located <laughs> appropriately because each one of those paintings would carry my signature as a painter. Right. 
The same is true for a company. Our products carry our signature because our products are a reflection of what we are. So we take care of even a customer who bought some equipment 10, 15 years ago. Whenever we can, we go visit. We make sure that they care of our product. We don't want the product to to collect dust. As a matter of fact, we do one thing which no other company does. We guarantee the product for their lifetime, for its lifetime. That means until it breaks down and is beyond the ability of being and uh, receiving good maintenance, we take care of it. Basically, we keep in house the institutional knowledge of what we were selling 30 years ago. Wow. And we're ready to jump in. So we never go to a customer and we say, from April 2020, this product is out of service. You had to buy something else. You never do that. So you bought something 10 years ago, you can get it served. That gives... Cust- that gives confidence to our customers. How could it not? That, yeah. uh, and so maybe they see the benefit for our for themselves, but they also develop attachment to our ability to provide a substitute substitute to our product when the technology is obsolete, not when it stops working. That's okay. an interesting thing, right? It's That's usually when it the breaks. Replacement motivation. Mm-hmm. So you also have this philosophy about help the customer get promoted. Yeah. So this is uh, we hear this. There's actually a lot of good stories from Doctor C that uh, that get heard internally. Um, but uh, the help the customer get promoted is exactly how we should be engaging with our customer. The idea that that engagement with us ultimately results in them being recognized by uh, selecting a good company to do business with and uh, have a successful program. So, um, yeah, it's it, we have seen uh, uh, many examples of that, but that actually that happening. But that should be the approach we have in any human relationship. <clears throat> the task of a manager is to breed people better than he or she is. That's the goal of the manager. The manager who keeps being the best in the crew is not a good manager. A manager who pushes down the people reporting to her or to him is not a good manager. Yeah, the other, another saying that he has is to, uh, when when we go to hire somebody, you should think that Perhaps this person may be my boss. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when I interview somebody, I said, could this person develop to the pe- to the point of becoming my boss? There's no chance. But then I don't want him. Great, great it's information. So, yeah. yeah, I just love it's it. Just just, so, we need another hour, yeah, Audrey. So, Come on, we're running so, out of time. Okay, so wait, you have a favorite hat. What's that about a favorite hat? So this is when we take our favorite hat and we throw it over the wall. Oh. And, so this is another one of Dr. <laughs> that's C's. Oh uh, Tell us about this. That, Come on. That's, that's uh, the style which is attributed to me. 
Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I love it. Throw it over the fence. Okay. And then work very, very hard to to pick it up. Right. Because you threw it over the fence. Now the fence blocks you. So now you have to really work very hard. Which means give oneself some targets which are difficult to achieve and accept the challenge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man, you're inspiring me, man. I'm going to go do good things now. But that's also <laughs> the way the way of selling. You don't we're not selling commodities much. No, very little. But when you're selling with the cast, you're talking with the customer. You had to make the customer dream that he would do much better his job if he had a machine which does such and such. And that machine doesn't exist. And uh, it happens that sometimes you get a contract to build a machine mm -hmm. that we never built before. <laughs> it's like, oh. So that's the whole of our reputation is hanging over our success in that endeavor. And that's risky, but so far we always met it. Okay? And that's a very strong stimulus. So you have to be careful because you risk your, the last drop of your blood, no, your blood. But you have to be careful. But it's a really stimulative challenge for everybody in the organization. Without a doubt. And the task you put to everybody is that pick the one thing where you can be the best. If you don't think you can be the best at this, let somebody else right. do it. Maybe somebody from another company. It doesn't matter. But if you are doing this particular function, you should be the best at that. I do want to it's, point out uh, yeah. that uh, while we talked about some tough starts and tough times financially or whatnot, yeah. the, the company is very, very financially stable Absolutely today. Absolutely, you guys are for sure. And uh, one of the other hallmarks of the corporation, um, we... We have very long employee retention. Well, you've only been there for 30 years, and I heard there's folks that are there longer than you. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, but there are people longer than you. Yeah. In many cases, especially on the federal side, uh, right. we are the uh, entities that are carrying the story from the uh, customer as they have new people that come through. Right. Uh, we're the ones that remember the history for sure. of their own organization. So, Mike, what would you say has been the, the most rewarding thing about your tenure at Compunetics. So it's, this is a... Yeah, some of our clients, every one year, two years or so, they change, they reorganize the management. So eventually we are the ones who know their business. Right, right, right. Incidentally, that retention is also helps by the fact that we have a fairly strong ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan. Basically, the single largest stockholder of the company is the ESOP which owns about 40% really? of the company. Wow, okay. Interesting. The rest is owned by about 200 stockholders. Gotcha. But uh, so there is uh, an identification of the personal objectives with the company objectives. And that uh, is some, some cement which yeah. helps. Uh, so we have some of our significant stockholders 
stamp. They can be an inventory clerk or a person in the shop, etc. Some of them are significant stockholders because they have been with us since the early 70s. Without a doubt. So we are winding down, right? You have been an incredible person just for me to know in terms of running the tech council. You're not going to do any self-deprecating move on me yet. I am going to tell you that the work that you have done with the intention of what you have done has created the actual platform that this region actually stands on. And for that, and for your words, and for your wisdom, and for your demonstrativeness of what you do, has absolutely mattered. So, you know, people say, how did Pittsburgh become like this tech hub? How did it become, you know, sort of the, the, you know, a little bit of the darling in the new world? It is through this kind of leadership of someone who said, I don't have chairs, I'm going to Sears. I don't have an office, but I'll be in the back of a Dairy Queen. I'm helping the folks in 9-11. I'm having standards in terms of the work that I do for the people who work for me because you have an uncanny ability for people to stay with you for longer than this gentleman who's here 30 (laughs) years, for longer in a time when most people are looking to change jobs and companies maybe 18 months, every 18 months to three years. And it is that that you built the values for a company. We are having a chance to talk to Dr. Cora Lupi, who has founded a company 50 years ago, and with deep pride, deep pride that I have just for knowing the work that you've done and how you've touched the region and invested in others and invested in other startups, some who have failed and some who haven't. And you put your money where your mouth is. And uh, that is pretty miraculous. So we have had a chance. We, don't, we dedicated part, part of our issue to, of TEQ last full, month full cover story. to Dr. Coralipi and Compunetic. And Made in PA as well, too. And Made in PA. So we have lots of ways that we're telling the world this. It's We've good. got a pleasure to do a little bit of a deep dive with you. I say a little bit because I feel like a bunch of the story is not there. So if you want to know more about Dr. C, Compunetics, you can definitely easily find them. Oh, yeah. On, on the, on the um, you know, just Google them. It's amazing. Go to pghtech.org. Get, to n- get a chance to know the people who work in this company, for this company, and about this company because it's, it's a pleasure. So thank you both for being here. Thank you. A 30-year veteran who says he's not the only 30-year veteran there. There are people who have been there longer. Thank you. This is Audrey Russo. This is Jonathan Kirsting. Learn more about the PGH Tech Council at pghtech.org.